and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? Feeling old. Why is that? I'm feeling eight years older than, uh, oh. than I was the first time we did this. Well, look, I can't argue with well, you there. Technically eight years in one week because the first time we did it, that the first episode we recorded never came, nothing ever came of it well, except for a clip on the myspace page do you yeah. remember our myspace page it's still there i never took it down but i don't think all the content is still there i think myspace looks different now yeah think. that's true that's true yeah i'm glad i had taken all my blog posts off of there uh many years ago i lost all mine really yeah oh man i that's used to blog about daily about politics wow that sounds miserable yeah, but it was like a thing that I made myself do to to write, and it hmm. was just what I was really into at the time was reading the news and reading the New Republic back when that uh, hadn't become an embarrassment. Um, Why is it an embarrassment now? Because the the dude who bought it out wants to make it the Huffington Post, you know, Ugh. and like you, so you didn't hear about this, like I guess not. I literal that, scores of people have resigned from the new republic i knew that it there a, was a big change but i don't remember why but it's mostly people resigning in protest from what this guy is doing trying to make stuff that goes viral trying to bring down the average length of articles which that's something new republic did was long articles yeah and to me it just seems like i would like to think there's room for both kinds of uh, of presences in our in our culture and our news culture it's tough uh, because like i can definitely see where somebody is coming from on that from a management standpoint which is like hey our readership is down meanwhile this website or whatever right. is doing great so what can we do to be more like that but then at what point do you just recognize people aren't as interested in what we do anymore but that's what we do yeah you know it's yeah. t- it's tough um all right but that's not what i want to talk about yeah we got a lot of stuff to talk about yeah um, including a couple of announcements first actually. Oh, okay. okay uh one uh is completely personal um more than one lesson has been nominated for its its sixth podcast award in the religion category once again we're not going to win but if you guys want to you know give me a false hope that would be great go to podcastawards.com scroll on down to the religion section Click on more than one lesson, scroll further down, you give your name, your email address, uh, it will send you a verification email, you will not get any junk mail out of this, um, and uh, just help us out. So that, And you can vote once a day, so I would really appreciate it. Let's try it and get one, this done. Once a day per IP address? Per email address. Email address. Okay, yes. so you can vote more than once a day. Yes. And you should. I have six email addresses between all my websites, and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, and being married. So, yeah, we're doing... Uh, I'm doing my part. We should really do this. Do what? We have talked shit about the podcast awards for so long. And, I, and I genuinely can't talk shit about them anymore because they are they are now... They're run in a much better way. They, they are under new management. Under new management. Right. And uh, so I'm actually... Like the, uh, the restaurant by my house that um, had a breakfast burrito that made my friend Sean throw up. Mm-hmm. Since... Since then, has come under new management. Okay. Have you tried that breakfast burrito? Uh, no. I'm still a little gun shy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it actually is, it is, I feel like it's more of an honor now uh, than it was yeah. no, the last five years. What I'm saying is like, for the NHL All-Star Game, right? Okay. Fans can vote online, and the highest vote getters are automatically, uh, you know, the players who get the most votes are automatically. So there's one, there's like one Latvian guy in the entire NHL, 
and apparently the word got out in the country of Latvia, and this guy was the biggest vote getter by a country mile. Wow. Like because everyone in Latvia just voted for him all the time as much as they could. Uh, and that's what I'm saying. We need to do this for more than one lesson. We all need to vote for more than one lesson constantly. Every email address, every day. That's that. I agree. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with you here, David. I think it'd be so much fun to do it. I, it would be wonderful. I'll say this, that like, I've looked at the other websites, uh, the other shows nominated and, uh, and of the 10, I, mine is probably like the, the, si- the sixth or seventh largest or the highest profile. Oh. Um, and so we'll see what we can do. Uh, I'll say this. I don't, I certainly don't like the idea of losing to uh, an atheist show in the religion category. Uh, there are three of them nominated and, uh, the rest, and then three Mormon podcasts and then actually two other, uh, pop culture and movie themed Christian shows, which is very exciting. So, um, so yeah, I hope they come in second and third. That, that would be great. So, uh, podcastawards.com. And then also I wanted to let everyone know, we mentioned this on the show a couple weeks ago at this point. Um, so the Los Angeles short film festival where friend of the show, Jason Eakins film desk job. Uh, starring Pat Healy, also friend of the show, as well as uh, in a smaller part, uh, Bill Dwyer, friend of the show, friend of the show. Um, uh, that will be showing on March fourteenth during the three to uh, three p.m. to six p.m. slot uh, at the Sherry Theater in North Hollywood, California. Uh, go to Los Angeles Short Film Festival dot Weebly dot com. W e e b l y. I know how to spell um, Weebly. I, well, <laughs> maybe you thought it was an EA, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, I've seen the film. I'm a big fan of it. And if you are in the Los Angeles area and you'd like to see it and like to support Jason and what the hell, if you want to meet me and maybe David, uh, will be there and it'll be a lot of fun. I will probably be, I, I yeah. do have a family obligation that day, but yeah. I think it's not till later. Yeah. So, right. uh, so do that and, uh, and let's, uh, support Jason. Okay. So we got some mail. All right. The first one is a letter from our friend Benj. Oh, Benj. And he doesn't say not to read it on the air, so I'm going to read it. Uh, this is, is this a negative one? Okay. This is his thoughts on the Oscars. Okay. And the Oscar episode of the podcast. Oh, jeez. To Tyler and David, but mainly to David. Oh, boy. Why not participate with the Oscar show? I love the Oscar broadcast. You ask me what my favorite day of the year is, I would likely say something like Memorial Day, but a close second would be Oscar Sunday. This year, my power went out five minutes before showtime. I'm not kidding, man. You should have seen me. I was some sort of monster. Grumpy Gus, for sure. (laughs) Don't worry. My friend had working power, but I missed J.K. Simmons' win. Mm. I tried to FaceTime with my mother back in New York, but she has no concept that I do uh, want to see the songs performed. Some people don't get it. I would say those people include the producers of the Oscar show. What a mess, right? Here's a list of things wrong with the show. Lady Gaga. Oh, no, she was great. Uh, why honor Sound of Music this year? Uh, same issue with Pink last year. Remember that? 75 years since Wizard of Oz, but not Gone with the Wind or the million other great films in 1939. Well, one of them has songs. Uh, obviously. <laughs> I- I'm hoping you can tell which ones are my interjections and which ones are in Benj's voice. Uh, I thought Lady Gaga was great. I didn't see Jennifer... uh, What is it? Who was it last? A pink last year. Okay. Uh, Jennifer Hudson. Someone needs to realize the In Memoriam is a downer, and a whole block of the show should not include the montage and a performance, especially when you have a long-ass show going. I will disagree with that, too. My thoughts on the In Memoriam, as I've said time and time again, is they should bring back the clapping. Let people goddamn clap. (laughs) It's so 
cold and antiseptic now. I'm a guy, I get so emotional about the Oscars. Every every exception speech, just people thinking they're agents, I get yeah. teary-eyed. And yet, during the in-memoriam, dry as a bone, because there's nothing emotional about the list of names. Hmm. Let people clap. I want the human element back in here. All right, back to Benj. Um, these producers, that would be uh, Craig Zidane and Neil Marone? Is that oh, names? I don't know. You don't know the name of the producer of the Oscars? No, I You're don't. the one who likes the Oscars. Yeah. I... Jeez Louise. Maybe I, so, should, maybe I should do that episode. I think, again. yeah, join um, in. Maybe you could do a commentary on our episode. There we go. Uh, these producers should get to the show is about the movies, the craft, art, and love that goes into movies. They just rattled off categories. No salute to the crafts, editing, art direction. All seemed like afterthoughts. In short, they need to honor the films and stop the nonsense. I, this is Benj talking, I would produce a killer Oscar show, which brings me to David. What gives, man? <laughs> Leaving Tyler by himself? I want to know what you think. I think I did. Uh, what you hated? The magic thing. Uh, what you liked? Where you got emotional? Always. Uh, where you thought a movie was the best film of the year based on your white guilt? <laughs> uh, I think that is nonsense. David Bax. Tyler, you're cool. Despite my disappointment, I really like the show. The movie journals are a great addition. I like the old shows, too. No ads. <laughs> take care all the best binge uh thanks binge, binge. do you not want any ads no i've well, got good news for you we have a donate button would you like me to tell you what the sponsors pay us and you want to cover that yeah there you go That'd you be can great. donate you, you can cover if you cover what our sponsors pay yeah and what we hope to get in the future yeah uh yeah if you want to become essentially the uh the um what's the word i'm looking for old the patron of this show there you go Right. Absolutely. By the way, uh, you will not be able to dictate any content. So, okay. Yeah, that was fun. Um, Absolutely. I like that. So I think I, I hope... got my point across. I hated the memoriam. I hated the uh, magic thing. Absolutely. I feel like I've talked about this already. Maybe I haven't. Did I talk about this in the show, the magic thing? Uh, no, I mean, we. I think we talked about it. It's just, it feels okay. like... Magic doesn't work on television. That is a, something that I believe right. to my core. And uh, it doesn't... I mean, it also doesn't help that the joke was very funny yeah. uh, and came at a time when everyone was kind of ready for the thing to wrap up and suddenly yeah. here's this long joke. Uh, but the magic part of it was ridiculous because magic doesn't work on television. It works live when you can see everything happening and be like, oh, how do they do that? But there's a part, like, your brain disconnects when it's on television. Now, it, was, you know. it was live, David. And but I, but and I wasn't I watching the lockbox the whole time. Yeah, and neither I, was Octavia Spencer. Uh, right. And neither was anyone on the feed. Plus that feed, we don't know that that's, they could be looping the same 30 seconds. Like in of, speed. A speed. Just like in speed. A speed feed. Yeah. All, All right. right. That's not the only present we got. All right. And that was a present. Thank you, Benj. That was fantastic. I Benj, it. it's always nice to hear from you. I'm glad you, I'm glad you like me. Yeah, he does like you. Hopefully that sponsorship uh, rant that I just went on uh, did not alienate you. Um, we got uh, a big package from someone. I thought Benj was going to stop listening to the show. Yeah. Uh, he's not a man of his word. All right. Um, we got a big package from someone named K, not K A Y, but just the first initial K. All right. That's all I'm putting. I don't know what this is. It's a the, big box. The, men in, the man in black. Okay. Oh, there's a letter. Okay. Oh, this looks fun. Okay. Oh, jeez. Um, oh. That letter is, uh, David. to David. I'll just be over here fucking myself, I guess. Yeah, it says, here's the seven Samurai Criterion Blu-ray. So I'm imagining that's in here somewhere. I see just a bunch of chips. Here you go. Oh, he sent me seven Samurai on Blu-ray. <laughs> I think because I said I'd never seen it. 
Uh, I just saw it for the first time, and I just had a birthday. Yeah, I think that's probably when he sent this, when you mentioned it, and I think he had a copy, and he K- sent it to me. K stands for crap. This oh, is might, crap. You know what? I'm saying he, because I didn't know, but it's Kelly. Kelly? It's a she. Un- Sorry. Unacceptable. Sorry, Kelly. I, I, I feel bad about that. Obviously, you have a thing for David. Um, <laughs> uh, enjoy. I'm glad someone watched it. Uh, and since it's a three hour and a half hour movie, I've, con- I've included some Northeastern Pennsylvania's local delicacies for munching to be shared with Tyler. It says, happy face emoticon. You can't share a Blu-ray. Uh, the, <laughs> you already have it, don't you? No. You're thinking of Slumdog Millionaire. <laughs> Is that the Blu-ray I'm thinking no, of? No, it isn't. Damn it. <laughs> You're thinking of Shoa. That's the Blu-ray I'm thinking of. Yeah, there you go. Uh, what's the one between Shattered Glass and Sherlock Holmes? Uh, Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Um, let's see. So, uh, Utz products. Oh, I like them Utz products. Are made Utz just, is better than nuts. The, just down the road from where Kelly works. And the Middle Swarth chips aren't available outside of North and Southeastern PA. I'm really hoping the butter pe- peanut butter chiffons made the trip okay. We may be in a deep freeze. It was eleven. It was minus eleven this morning when I went to start my car. Here you are giving Kelly shit when she braved the elements. Ne- when was the last time you had negative eleven? Not since you moved to Los Angeles. I'll tell you that. That's true. Yeah, I I voluntarily chose to leave that climate. Yeah. Um, sure, it's a bit warmer in California. Uh, from a local shop, you mentioned that anyone from the Wilkes Bar area. I don't know anyone from the Wilkes Bar area except for you, Kelly, my best friend in Wilkes Bar. Uh, I'm sure you'd get an earful about how spectacular they are. I myself don't care for peanut butter and chocolate together. Okay. Ugh. No judgment. Um, so I don't have an opinion. And yes, I'm very aware of how weird I am that I don't like that particular combo. Well, it's you and Tyler have something in common, right? I like peanut butter and oh, chocolate. Oh, okay. I thought you said, uh, because. I'm a human know. being. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you don't like anything else. You don't like any other food. <laughs> I like chocolate and peanut butter separately and together, and that is it. Those are the three things I like. Uh, thanks again for all of your and Tyler's hard work on the podcast. Kelly T in PA. Thank you. Kelly, I am excited for all of these snacks, but if you're hearing this, look, I, don't, I, I better get fucking something in the mail look, from you. No. Kelly, he doesn't mean it. Because here's what happened. She had this already. E- even I can't tell if I mean it or not. She didn't buy this for me. All right. She had it, heard that I hadn't seen it, decided she didn't need it. Maybe she's got another copy. I don't know. Fair she sent enough. it to me. All right. You better scour that Blu-ray collection there, Kelly. Kelly, please don't. You're... I have had it up to here, and my, my hand is raised as high as it can go with Kelly, these listeners. you're a gem. They're ungrateful. Look at this potato chip bag. That looks delicious. Oh, oh it's it, it has come open. Oh, I'm going to uh, try one. Yeah, we should try one now. Okay, uh, we should. We got to move on. Uh, Salt this and is, vinegar chips. I, I predict that Benj is going to hate this episode. <laughs> oh, I hope he does. I just hope he does. All right, here we go. Here these we go. these middle, Middlesworth potato chips are pretty good. Okay, well, I'll find out. It says here at the bottom that they're a delicious treat. And you know what? I concur. All right. So okay, we got to move you, on. Thank you, Kelly. Well, if we're being a bit indulgent, it's because we've earned it. Yeah. Uh, and I'll say, you know what? Actually, before we get into the uh, the episode proper, um, Kelly, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Um, he the, really is. And this is very much appreciated, Kelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. If someone sent something to Tyler and not me, I would not be upset. 
And now that's Nor certainly would going I. to happen. Yes. Oh, no question about it. I better get a whole a bunch del- of sympathy. A deluge <laughs> of stuff. Um, yeah, real quick, I wanted to mention um, this. Is, it seems to be kind of a feature on the show from time to time that we will uh, mention certain character actors when they pass away. Obviously, you know, we'll talk about Robin Williams and Philip Seymour Hoffman and that kind of thing, sometimes devote even an entire episode to them. But, you know, we'll also talk about um, like uh, Bob Hoskins, you know, who I, I guess is more more than a character actor. He had some name recognition there and that kind of thing. But um, but uh, Daniel Von Bargen passed away yeah. recently, and he was in his mid-60s. I knew that he had a number of health problems. I think he had left the business a while ago. And, um, and it is a bummer because I thought he was a really, really solid actor. People know him first and foremost as Kruger yep. on Seinfeld, in which he is amazing. Yeah, he's a character that I um, quote constantly without even thinking about it. Okay. Because of the way he says, I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the kind of boss everyone would like and just that whole thing. And isn't there a moment where like just one thing doesn't go his way but, and he's not mad. He's like, well, I'm going home or just whatever it is. And it's it's wonderful. But I also enjoyed him on Malcolm in the Middle. Yep. And then he was on any number of uh, – in any number of movies. Uh, the two that I think of the most often is a crazy-ass movie called Lord of Illusions. I haven't seen that in so long that I kind of don't remember him. Yeah, he's the the primary uh, villain, the, a okay. force for evil. And I remember thinking he was great in it. I haven't seen it in years, but I, I'm sure – I remember being really affected by him uh, in the film. And I believe it just got a Blu-ray release, like sometime recently. Okay. Maybe from Scream Factory now that I think about it. Um, that makes sense. And then the other uh, the other film that I feel like he really deserves recognition for is you posted a photo of it on your uh, Twitter feed. Uh-huh. Oh, brother, where art thou? Yeah. I don't remember the name of his character, but he's basically the devil. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the name of the character either. And first off, the character is designed beautifully, but the way he uh, the way he plays it Cooley. and just what was that? Sheriff Cooley. Sheriff Cooley. And just the way that he just says his lines with such relish like there's a i remember there's a part where uh i believe he's he's about to hang john Turturro, and as the and it starts to rain and he just and i remember he starts by saying like sweet summer rain <laughs> and i just and i loved it because it's like he was about to sell rain um but then mm-hmm. just the way and and just there's such a, a a silkiness to the way he says things just like when he says, uh, your friends have abandoned you, Pete. And just, it's very deliberate. I, I love that performance. And I love, I loved him in almost, uh, in like everything that I saw him in. He was very dependable, comedically and dramatically. And that's, that's exactly the point I was going to make, was that he's in so much, I mean, we talked about Seinfeld and, um, and Malcolm in the Middle, but you're forgetting one of, may, outside of Seinfeld, maybe the, maybe the movie I've most rewatched that he's in okay. is Super Troopers. Okay, which I've only seen the one time. I've oh, never, really? Yeah. You got to watch it again I'm and sure again I do. I'm because sure it's I do. so funny. Uh, yeah, and he's the, um, I guess the, I guess he's the villain in that too because okay. he's the head of the like real cops. Yes, okay. <laughs> uh, who actually want to do the jobs, but then of course, spoiler, turn out to be evil. Um, and yeah, so he's, uh, I mean, he's more the straight man in that, but still uh, in a very funny way. Yeah. But yeah, we uh, we. Um, you and I talk a lot about comedy being um, 
an underrespected form and uh for this guy to be so great at comedy and i guess drama i don't know more serious sure uh roles um he's uh he was he was representing for our cause yes yeah and uh and it is uh it saddened me tremendously when he that he passed away um but uh but yeah so i wanted to mention that and then uh i think we can move into the uh the actual topic at this yeah point. well let's first um this is uh, gonna be inelegant let's talk about our sponsor absolutely <laughs> um, uh but you know what's not inelegant what's that is the sound that comes out of these tweaked audio dot uh, com earbuds indeed it's beautiful it's rich it's lush and they look sharp these mm-hmm. things oh they're stylish tweakedaudio.com is where you go for these these earbuds that sound great they're professional quality uh they come in a variety of styles and colors at a low low price mm-hmm. it's at tweakedaudio.com and if you go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension you get everything i just mentioned for one third off and no shipping charges it's tweakedaudio.com slash pretension let's get into it shall we indeed uh now we've we've danced around this but we haven't come out directly and said it this yeah. is our eight-year anniversary. Happy anniversary, David. Thank you. I didn't get you anything. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you're in good company. <laughs> um, I uh, I don't know what the eighth anniversary is. I don't either. D- each one is something, right? Like, I feel like that's a lot of numbers. There's something for, like, this, the 37th anniversary. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I'm going to look it up while you, while you vamp. Uh, what should we talk about? Well, I think we should talk about the topic that you suggested in that email to me yeah, a week w- and a half ago. I wanted to make it seem spur of the moment. Oh, no. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't do that. Uh, okay, so we've been doing the show um, for for eight years, but we've known each other at this point for, well, I guess twice that. Yeah, I guess 16 so. 16 years. Yeah. We met in the spring of 99, yeah. and it's almost spring of 2015. By my math, that's 16 years. Okay. Um. Let me check my work. That is 16, yes. Uh, and now for the first couple of years, we saw each other sporadically. Right. And then starting in uh, September of 2001, um, shortly after uh, 9-11, we moved in together. Yeah. Um, we needed to be close to one another. <laughs> we needed to help each other get through this, David. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then for, I guess, about three years, we saw a ton of each other. We lived together. We uh hated each other um can i tell a story uh no i'm the one who looks bad in this and i might have already told it before i have told it before all right it's it's literally as angry as i've ever seen you not like blowing up screaming but like white hot focused anger okay okay all right we lived together and we hated each other we were all at each other's throats yeah and as what as happens when you move into your first apartment, our moms bought us stuff. Yeah, right, plates and stuff. You know, stuff for the for the home. And your mom had bought this very nice little oven mitt. Yeah, that came uh, w- attached to a little wooden ring, so you could hang it from stuff. So it was always yes. available. You could hang it. Uh, it was very adorable and practical. Right. Um, and I was upset about something. Who knows? What? I mean, I was really upset about us not getting along. But I sure. was. Upset about something. I don't think in that I, moment you were mad at me. I think you had maybe just like gotten off the phone with your uh, parents or something like that. I don't remember exactly in that okay. moment what it was. But I took this thing, yeah. threw it across the room, and it cracked the little wooden ring. Yeah. Uh, it broke. Right. And you were upset with me. Yeah. And you said, just give it to me. I'll see if I can glue it back together. And I, in my anger and frustration, I said, 
very smugly and snottily. I was like, no, it's broken. And I threw it in the garbage right in front of you. This present that your mom had bought you. I don't know if I'd say present, but I understand what you mean. Yes, yeah, something that came from your mom. Yeah. The first time living on your own, your mom gave you this thing, this totem. I <laughs> threw it in the garbage right in front of you. How else am I going to know <laughs> if I'm in reality or not? Uh, I threw it in the garbage right in front of your face. And you looked at me as serious could be. And you said, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Which is weird because I, I wasn't much of a swearer at the time. Like, well, I these think days, I drove you to it. I think I drove you to it. Like, probably. That was some rotten behavior. I guess so. Um, well, I just mean I, that like son of a bitch was probably the worst thing I said at, at, really at the time. Okay. These days I probably would have been like, you fuck. <laughs> I probably would have said something like that. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. And then there was the other time you and I got into an argument your friends were coming over to watch the Oscars with us, which means it was it was the day after the Independent Spirit Awards, uh, and Memento had won Best Picture. Yeah, and I felt very strongly that Mulholland Drive was the better film, and I still do. Oh sure, uh, I think I do now as well. Um, and uh, we got into an argument about it that was probably really about a lot of other stuff. And it culminated in me throwing a bowl of popcorn across the room yep. minutes before your friends were coming over to watch the Oscars with us. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were like uh we were like a marriage on its last legs. That was that was some rough stuff. I got a lot of my frustration out in movie form. I made a film that you can find on my uh right. in, in sections on my uh YouTube page. Yeah. Called Speech and Debate. Yeah. And um yeah, and some of those arguments that I put in there are as close to verbatim as I could get. Yeah. Um, right, right down to the point when you said that I take self-righteousness to a whole new level. Um, I was, remember saying that. That was a rough thing. I remember when you said, I remember when you called me a son of a bitch. <laughs> I remember saying that. It was rough stuff. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, but and thankfully. Then, but then we parted ways for a summer. Yeah. And we decided to live together again, and it went great, I think, the second yeah. time around. Yeah, we had a buffer in our in our friend Cole, and I think that was very And just helpful. a bigger apartment. We were sharing a one-bedroom the first yes, time. that's true. Uh, and, also, and we were in Wrigleyville, which was too expensive, and there were all those fucking Cubs fans around. That's that probably true, had yes. me on edge. Yeah, because I felt like I couldn't leave the house. Because I didn't know the baseball <laughs> schedule, and one day I decided, I'm going to take a walk. Oh, good God, I'm <laughs> surrounded by drunks. Um but yeah, uh, and also I will say that I also had, right around that time, I'd started dating Jen, and so I was out regularly. So we weren't seeing, we weren't seeing each other as much. We were in a bigger place, and we had a third roommate. Right. And so I think a lot of things worked together so that uh, so that we started getting along. But here's what I here's what I want to get at, um, is uh, what happened. When we moved in together was uh, that suddenly both of our movie collections were in the same place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I can I tell another story? Okay, yeah, please. Okay, uh, we were in Wrigleyville. We were looking to uh, move out, and so the apartment people or whatever the organization was, you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, I know this story. Yeah, the apartment, <laughs> the apartment people uh, were going to come in and like show the apartment, even though our stuff was uh, still there. And uh, this guy comes in, and not unlike, uh, and he was just kind of looking around. And I think, like, I don't think he was chewing gum, but for some reason, I picture him chewing. I yeah, picture yeah, yeah, him sure. as Norm Macdonald as Burt Reynolds in the way he delivered this. Yeah, where he like looked at uh, all of our shelves of movies, <laughs> and he's like, "Wow, you guys sure dig movies, huh?" <laughs> and, just, <laughs> and it's just like, I, I can't argue with you, but I yeah. feel like it's just the most basic observation. Do you remember our maintenance man, Victor? Oh yeah. Uh, there was one morning. 
our sync wasn't working or something. Mm-hmm. And I had a a friend visit. Uh, I had a lady friend visiting us. Oh, <laughs> do you remember? Um, and uh, he came. <laughs> he showed up at eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah, to fix the 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 sink, and he's just this. Just the he was the nicest guy. Yes, but he was the definition of just like big gregarious Greek yeah. man. Yes, who started and ended every sentence with the word okay. He'd say, <laughs> "Okay, I'm here to fix your sink." Okay, yeah, that, that's how he talked. Yeah, and he just had to do like it was. It took him a few minutes. He <laughs> in my mind he burst in the door, but I'm sure he knocked <laughs> and I let him in at eight o'clock in the morning. Just talk. Okay, I'm here to fix this thing. Okay, and uh, put the piece on, and talking the whole time, mm-hmm. and then left, and then suddenly, like it was like a silence, like you'd never heard before, <laughs> because it was compared to what. Would you- <laughs> and uh, yeah, my uh, friend, it was uh, anyway, and that kind of. Uh, she was like, "That was the loudest man I've ever seen in my life." <laughs> oh, Victor, I haven't thought about Victor in years. I hope he's all right. Yes. Okay, uh, but no, what I'm getting at is that I, and I don't know how much time you spent watching movies from my collection when I wasn't home, but I spent a ton of time watching because uh, for the first semester, I was not employed, mm-hmm. uh, which meant I didn't have a job to go to and I didn't, couldn't spend any money. So I would eat you know, hot dogs or mac and cheese or whatever I got from, uh, from the grocery store. And if you were out with your friends, I think you made friends faster than I did mm-hmm. uh, in Chicago. Uh, I would just tear through your movies. I, I watched yeah. a ton of movies, and uh, I think I it exposed me to movies I hadn't seen before. Some uh, some of them are movies that I uh, love to this day, like say the Kane Mutiny. Yeah. Um, and uh, thinking about that is what got me wanting to talk about the idea of how our knowing each other mm-hmm. has changed our position or opinions. Or tastes yeah. when it comes to movies. Okay. I've been talking too long. All right. So um, I tried to, uh, for myself, I tried to, I wanted to kind of limit it a little bit because I, I, I was worried that I would go into too much detail. So I wanted to keep it to maybe just like as like in doing the podcast, like in the last eight years. But even then, I don't oh, know okay. if that's true because I feel like some of this stuff probably reached uh back further than that and so um and some of it and i tried not to go with like specific movie titles and talk about and i want to talk about larger things in general yeah yeah i think that's what i'm going so um so yeah i've got myself a little list here and i will lead off with a word called formalism (laughs) um yeah it's a or or structuralism or whatever the hell you call it now um, well, I think they're two different things. But. Okay. Although, but you, 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 you said one for a long time and then you moved into another. Uh, Did I? For, okay. Yeah. And I don't remember what you say now, but I locked into formal. But I, no, I still use them both. Okay. Because I think they mean different things. But often movies that uh, can be described with one can also be described okay. with another. So let me ask you, uh, before I launch into it, uh, in your like, what is formalism and what is structuralism? Uh, I, I'm sure. I'm, see, this is where I, uh, I'm going to embarrass myself. If there's people out there who have actually taken film theory classes or read more about film theory than I have, I might mm-hmm. uh, embarrass myself. Um, but uh, structure, I think, is more structuralism is more straightforward in that it has to do with 
how the movie is assembled. So it's mm-hmm. not just uh, shot choices and stuff, but it's like the idea that, um, it, you know, if the, I guess it, it bumps up against um, expressionism in a lot of ways okay. in that um, the, the way the film is put together informs how you're supposed to think about the film or right. the story or the characters or the themes or whatever, you know, uh, I guess an exo- obvious example would bring up Memento again, you mm-hmm. know, it's structured the way it is because you're supposed to, uh, to, to, to experience it a certain way to put right. you into a certain mindset. Um, whereas I think formalism has more to do with, um, less with, uh, with editing and more with like, things like shot choice or music choice um, or, or other sound decisions that put you in, in uh, certain frames of mind, like uh, the way that um, Michael Mann will often shoot his characters in wide open spaces from very far away. Yes. Um, uh, you know, that's um, meant to inform how you, how you see them. So that what I'm, what I'm saying is that the, in both cases, what I'm saying is that the themes or morals or whatever you want, Mm-hmm. Uh, to call it that are part of the movie are not just on the page. They're not just in the in the 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 literal text. Yeah. They're uh, it all works together. Yeah. Um. To 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 form uh, the whole. I mean, you yourself in the most recent VP Movie Journal said that you were watching Pulp Fiction, and by choosing to cut to a close up of a handshake, it got you thinking about something uh, about character, about right. a relationship. And so I feel like that and, – and you mentioned Michael Mann. I think it was our discussion of public enemies that really – I think when you really locked into it as like a philosophy for yourself. I mean, that movie Not was – Not a philosophy, but you know what I mean. That movie was e- epochal for me because I loved it and so many people I knew mm-hmm. didn't. And I had to ask questions of myself that I hadn't had to ask before. Like, yeah. why do I love this movie so much when so many people don't? Yeah. And that's when I started to think more in – formalist terms and i'll say this that um much as i may as i might fight against certain uh, articles written by matt zoller sites uh, <laughs> i do agree that a movie that a movie is more than just its characters and it is more than just its story and that there's kevin smith made it <laughs> yeah uh fair enough uh but the and that style and substance aren't necessarily at odds with one another Right, that they right. can be the same thing. And that's something that I actually said about uh, Boyhood, that you cannot divorce the story that it is telling from the way that it is telling it and the way that it was shot. You cannot separate the two. And that is a, that is a like a perfect example of – I mean so, like some movies aren't, aren't don't marry the two the way that film does just because you can't help but make uh, – cause it to be that way based on how it was made. But anyway, um, so by embracing this idea that you can show a theme just through a collection of shots assembled in a certain way and structured in a certain way, and that can underline the theme more than any line could in some cases, um, that became a very exciting idea for me. And I'll say this other thing, uh, there's, I think there's an episode to be said to be had here. So I don't want to harp on it too much but i feel like the more you embrace structuralism and formalism two for two terms that i never really thought about at least as like a as like a philosophy or as a, a very tangible thing um 
I think these ideas I had already, but like really embracing them the way you have, I think helped me to look at things a certain way. And so I would, I would say that by and large, the concept of a gimmick goes away. Mm-hmm. Like the, when people dismiss a movie or a certain stylistic choice is like, oh, that's just a gimmick. Like, for example, friend of the show, Pat Francis, has been very vocal about not liking Boyhood because he thought the filmmaking was a gimmick. Now, and it's just, it's like, I can see why someone would think that. Um, the way Memento is made, you could say that, people could say that's a gimmick. Um, I remember you and I had a conversation, I think on the show, but I don't remember exactly, that I thought The Artist was a very good movie, but there's nothing inherently, like, the story itself is fine, but if it wasn't made the way it was, then really what's there? Mm -hmm. And then you rightly said, yes, but it was made that way. So now, now that you know that, like, you can't take that away. I'm happy with myself for saying that. Yeah. And it's just, (laughs) that sounds pretty smart. And I'll say this, no offense. It's the flip side of a conversation you and I had probably 12 or 13 years ago, back when we both went to SMS about Memento, where you had said, like, if they had not told it that way, then, you know, then the story wouldn't be that interesting. And I said, yeah, but they did. So now where are we? Yeah. And so, and I've come around a lot of Memento. It's, uh, yeah. And in the I, and I enjoy it quite a bit actually. And I've come around on Mulholland Drive, which we'll get to in a moment. Oh, okay. So, so I'll stick with formalism and structuralism and the idea behind it and the way by, that for me embracing those has caused me to, I think in some cases, be less critical, not to say critically minded, but to really just kind of trust the director more that like everything is a choice. Now, I may not like the choice. But I certainly can't dismiss something, you know, uh, if somebody makes a stylistic choice, it might be self, it it might be like, I don't even like the term self-indulgent really, you know, it might not work for me, but I certainly don't want to say, oh, that's just a gimmick. And thus I can write the whole thing off. Um, and so I think, I think that stems from the formalism structuralism thing, which stems primarily from you. Wow. Um, the thing I thought of, well, two things came to mind first when I thought of this topic. Okay. One, one has been talked about before, and we'll get maybe get back to it later, put a pin in it for now, okay. which is um, paying more attention to performance, okay. uh, like uh, to actual acting, um, which is something that I think for the longest time I just sort of took for granted. I just sort of said, like, well, if, you know... Um, if uh, the neorealists can cast non-actors, then hmm. what's what's the point, you know? Um, yeah. uh, you know, and... And David Lynch can cast essentially non-actors in a lot of, like, his... I mean, I was, you know, there's great performances and things like Mulholland Drive, but if you look at, like, what's his... I mean, forget the character's name, James from Twin Peaks. Huh. The, like... Uh, yeah. Like, the the fifth-generation copy of Christian Slater. <laughs> um, like, I had to, uh, you know, I'm just being mean now, uh, and I feel bad about that. But, like, he's clearly casting for a look first. Mm-hmm. Um and so I kind of didn't think about that. Uh, we'll put a pin in that for now. I think the thing that is on a more macro scale, and I'm trying to think of examples. I can think of one off the top of my head, but there's probably a lot more, is because simply because you are in your way of viewing the world so different from me and from most of the people I associate with, All right. if I didn't know you, there are characters that I might have less sympathy for. And this, this spills out into the real, real world as well, you okay. know, that I um, am, you know, I, 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 I think 
like a lot of kids who grow up in, um, I'm not going to say devout, but seriously religious families mm. and then become atheists. I think I had a lot of, uh, as a younger man, uh, a lot of knee jerk, like, well, you'd have to be stupid. Right. Yeah, yeah. To, uh, uh, and, um, knowing you has definitely, uh, you know, put that to the test and realize that someone uh who who believes in god isn't necessarily uh stupid and the two are uh have nothing to do with one another someone someone can be stupid and believe <laughs> believe in god mm-hmm. and someone could be stupid and not believe in god um uh and then also just political you being politically more conservative yeah uh so there are characters uh, so i think the one and this actually probably ties in both th- things i'm talking about a movie that i I think I only saw after knowing that you loved it. This is way before we did the podcast. Uh, was the Apostle? Oh yeah. Um, and so I definitely knew that I was. I, I was definitely keeping. I, I had in mind when I watched this. Like Tyler loved this movie. Um, I, of course I knew because it came. Uh, it came out before I knew you. But I don't think I saw it until after I had met you. Um, and, and that's. Uh, I think. Now I mean now. Uh, hopefully at my age i would be uh, at 32 i'd be more open to this character in general but at 19 or whatever uh, probably 17 or 18 uh it might have been more tempting to me to just think of robert duvall's character as essentially um a bad guy yeah um but uh, i i think uh, and I wish I could think of more recent examples off the top of my head, but I feel like it's become such a part of how I think of movies, um, this sort of not judging a character until the movie in- insists that I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even then, not always. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I, I definitely think that um, my knowing you uh, informs the way that I view characters who are different than I am. Hmm. But I wish I could think of more recent examples. Yeah, and I'll, actually, I'm trying to think as well, and I can't, uh, which frustrates me. Because um, frankly, you, I feel like you don't see, you don't frankly see a lot of characters that are well. I mean, fr- okay, so is it called Stray Dog? Uh-huh. The documentary yeah. that yeah. you talked about. Yeah. Now it sounds like the documentary itself took a. a, a kind of an, an admiring approach to the guy and he's not a character yeah but he kind of is you know yeah. and the way you talk that's a about good it I- that's a good idea yeah good plan or um uh yeah there could be a there are some things about what the 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 subject of uh deborah granick stray dog believes and says that would be a turnoff to um liberals and it would be to their detriment to not uh give the rest of the film a chance just because you disagree with one or two uh, things, uh, uh, about a person. I think, I mean, just leaving the realm of movies altogether. Um, uh, I, 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 I am not only less likely, I think I'm actually actively pushing against the idea of dismissing a person as a whole because they disagree with me, yeah. you know, even if it's something that I think is, uh, a moral issue, um, like 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 gay rights or abortion like mm-hmm. i'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater you know um <laughs> poor choice um that that's not how that procedure's done so many jokes uh, to make. Um, uh, i i got one okay there. um <laughs> uh you, you know um 
I guess it's sort of the, the idea that's kind of corny, and I don't even know if you even subscribe to it, but the, the, the idea you hear Christians say a lot of hate the sin, love the sinner. Sure. Um, which I think that I think the phrase pro- is used a little bit too much. It's problematic in a lot of ways, but I think it has informed the way that I think of uh, uh, of of people who disagree with me or characters in movies who uh, mm-hmm. come from different different backgrounds than I do. And I think it lets you, like, say Dermot Mulroney in about Schmidt. Sure, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I actually am not thrilled with the way that character is treated, but. Uh, but yeah, it's um, yeah, and I feel like it, thinking in those terms will immediately help you to appreciate acting, because if you'll be able to tell when an actor is judging his character or her character, or, oh yeah, or sure. not. What are some examples of actors that you think judge the character they're playing? Um, uh, John Voight in The Rainmaker. Okay, I know it's um, all The Rainmaker. Okay, um, and then um. I mean, it doesn't. It actually doesn't happen as often with villains as you would think. Because I think uh, a lot of actors like playing villains. Yeah, I think they. I think they understand that there's a part of them. There, there's something inside all of us that would revel at the idea of doing this. Um, but I would say, uh, frankly, there's a um, a movie that I go back to a lot is uh, Struck by Lightning. <laughs> Which is uh, one of the most odious films I've ever seen in my life. Um, but I would also, but that has, you know, those characters are played in a judge in a judgmental way. Um, God bless America. Those are actors that, you know, the actors who are uh, cannon fodder in the movie, they are played in a way that says, right. I'm playing an asshole and I, and I know it. That, well, know? In their defense, they're taking their cues from the script. Right, right. Which no one ever should have done. Um, and so including the studio that funded it. So, uh, and then stuff, movies like, uh, uh, Elysium. Oh, which um, I didn't see. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I don't want to say this because it would imply that Jodie Foster was making any choices. Um, but she seemed to really understand like, oh, I'm playing a villain, but not even the, I can't even play her with the kind of relish that I've been talking about. Like she just clearly hates her character and has no desire to, understand how she arrived at certain ideas, which gives you an appreciation for somebody like Robert Duvall who mm-hmm. can play villains and can play heroes and find the humanity in, in, it, in his villains and the depravity in his heroes. And you see it all over the apostle. Um, his commentary of the apostle is wonderful by the way. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, okay, sorry, we can, we can move on now. Um, unless, did you have anything else to say? Anything? No, that's fine. Okay. Uh, I'll move on into, uh, this wasn't on my list, but I mentioned it before. Uh, okay, I'll talk about Mulholland Drive and more and the larger thing from it, which is this idea of, um, you know, I like you and I both started out in theater. We loved movies, but we did a lot of theater. You more on the technical side, yeah, yeah. and me on the more uh, you know acting writing side. You know, and so, um, and I feel like as a result, we approach dramatic art in different ways. And for me, it was always, you know, it was character and not even story, but like narrative. Um, and I really locked into that. And so, you know, you mentioned a while ago, a movie called last year at Marion Bod, which I did not like at the time. I did not like Verkmeister harmonies at the time. I didn't like Mulholland drive at the time since then, 
Bergmeister Harmonies has become one of my favorite movies ever. Last year at Marienbad is a movie that I feel like I need to watch again, but I know that I would like it. And Mulholland Drive has grown in my estimation as well. And just, um, and those are movies I did not like because they did not adhere to a specific narrative. I was, you know, when I was younger, I was okay with the idea of a movie being experimental provided we still had at least one character we could latch onto or an idea we could latch onto or a story we could latch onto. I needed those anchors. And I think with your love of Mulholland Drive and David Lynch in general, and then even movies like um, uh, Moulin Rouge, mm-hmm. which, st- I mean, it's got stories and characters, but I mean, it's it's almost experimental in the way it's made. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like... Yeah, the stories and characters aren't the thing that I love about Moulin Rouge. Exa- right, yeah. How could um, it be? Um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I guess I do love that they're kind of just uh, unapologetically just like big archetypes. Oh, absolutely. Um I remember, yeah, Richard Roxborough, especially, I thought was delightful. Um, (laughs) But yeah, and so in the sense that like you, and I I think school helped with this a lot as well, but just, but the way that, you know, like I only saw Verkmeister Harmonies because you wanted to go see it. And it's like, yeah, sure. What the hell? I wouldn't have, I wouldn't, I would not have known it, it existed. Maybe even to this day, I wouldn't have known. And so I feel like your embracing of the experimental and... And the not anti-narrative, but you know what I mean, just movies that aren't driven by that non-narrative driven films. Um, I feel like that kind of just dragged me very much out of my comfort zone. And of course, anytime that happens, a person is upset because they're outside their comfort zone. But then they come to realize, oh, my comfort zone is actually a lot bigger than it was. And so now, you know, movies like, oh, years ago, I would have hated under the skin hated it and now i find i'm invigorated by it you know movies like birdman which i know you didn't like that much but the magical realism of it i think years ago i would not have had any patience for now it's one of the most endearing things about the film for me and so i feel like some of that obviously some of that is school but well, yeah, some that's of it the, is, is your taste as well i'm gonna get to this a question that's gonna bridge this in my the next thing i wanted to bring up okay which uh i have to think i mean it's nice that you're saying that I helped, but mm-hmm. I feel like you would have gotten there eventually. And I, cause I, I kind of feel like, I don't know. Cause I still took, I'll say this. I was proud of myself for taking my German expressionism class. Uh-huh. That helped me a lot. Um, but you already liked noir. So you were already sort of predisposed to liking that approach. Yes. But what, you know, I liked Maltese Falcon, which noir though it may be, has five solid characters that you could really get your hooks into. And I liked that. I enjoyed expressionism. I thought, oh, that's a neat way to tell this story. It was always that. It it always went back to that. And so I think, you know, so yes, some of it was school, but I think it, it's hard to, to separate the two out mm-hmm. uh, because I lived with you and we were always watching stuff together or I was watching stuff in your collection the whole reason I watched Twin Peaks is because you owned it, huh. you know, and just so crappy that, VHS, those crappy. Yeah. Uh, that combined with, you know, uh, school, I think, I think it was a combination of the two. I think if I lived together, if I lived alone while I was going to school, I wonder if I would have challenged myself in some of my, uh, some of my class choices. Huh? Um, cause the thing I, uh, want to bring up something I, I i think i do believe i would have gotten there eventually if i kept watching movies but i think um you 
have always had um, more of a uh, a predilection for classic or golden age Hollywood movies than I have. Sure. Um, and I think I I learned from you how to uh, engage with those movies sort of on their own terms in the same way I would, mm. uh, you know, and not to just sit down and say, oh, I'm watching a classic movie, you know? Right. So I, um, you know, so something like touch of evil, I like even more than I would, I would have liked it anyway, but I like mm. even more, but it also gave me the clear eyes to, to, to not like something as much, you know, like say the hustler, which I yeah. probably need to revisit. Cause I know I, I've been, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people say a lot of wonderful things about the hustler since, but it, it, it didn't work for me the first time. And I didn't feel, I didn't feel that like imperative to like it because it was classic. I, I just, uh, right. it, there's a, you know, uh, I mean, both, both of us kept our movie collections alphabetical, but because you owned so much old, black and white Hollywood classic stuff, mm-hmm. there was a sort of, uh, democracy to the presentation, you know, that like, yeah. uh, you know, the, the hustler and Hurley Burley would be right next to each other. Probably. Well done. Yes. <laughs> um, it, movies from very, very different movies from very different eras. Yeah. But the presentation was that these are all movies. And I think I sort of watched them with that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that I feel like is is really coming down to it. And this can this can happen with you and me. It can happen when I watch old episodes of Siskel and Ebert. It can happen when any anybody engages with someone else in an artistic dialogue. I think the idea is, you know, there's the idea of broadening your horizons, but it's also the idea of being free. I know that sounds really lofty, but this idea, it's like, Oh, I'm free from the uh, from the idea that I had put on myself, which is it has to be narrative mm. for me to like it. And when you realize, oh no, it doesn't. So now I'm free to like Mulholland Drive the way it was made. I'm free to like this, you know, this other thing. And so I feel like a lot of a lot of what this can boil down to is and you can even make larger points about life in general from this, that like you have a very specific idea of what life is and what certain philosophies are. And you're hemmed in by those. And then you meet somebody who maybe go, who challenges that and maybe their challenge is incorrect, but either way, the challenge is a good thing because you can either, you'll either, uh, become more, not necessarily entrenched, that sounds negative, but you'll you'll have a deeper understanding of why you believe what you believe, or you'll realize, oh, what I believe is actually pretty flexible. It can incorporate what they think. Mm-hmm. Um, and suddenly an entire, you know, an entire uh, genre of films or style of film is now available to you that wasn't before. And, you know, it reminds me of, uh, for a number of years, uh, people back in Missouri, like, you know, coworkers and students and stuff fellow students uh they would kind of be assholes uh and they would say like they'd be like you just don't like anything Uh and i said you know i got very much up on my high horse but i still i don't like the tone but i still believe in what i was saying it's like i'll watch a movie that's 70 years old i'll watch a silent film i'll watch an experimental film i'll watch a foreign film it really doesn't matter the type of movie it is as long as it's as long as it's good and engaging and and that sort of thing. Can you say the same? 
I like you say I'm the one who doesn't like anything. How many of these things are you open to watching? Now that's a shitty tone, but yeah. I do agree with it. Uh-huh. Like I agree with the, the with what I'm saying. You know. Yeah. So um. So anyway, like well, really, if if all a movie has to be is good, boy, or you know, engaging because good is subjective. But like, if all it has to do is engage me in some way, that's pretty freeing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. Moving into the, you know, we're coming up in an hour, so we should start, you know, it takes us a while to wind down. Oh, boy, I've got so many more things to talk about. Oh, really? That yeah. um, makes me feel bad. Oh, Because right. I'm, like, out of things. Well, I wanted to get back to acting. We'll still get back to that. Okay. Um, but I wonder, do you think now, I know you and I have talked about, and occasionally listener, listeners have uh, commented on the fact that you and I, unlike a lot of some certain other podcasts, we don't argue that much. Yeah. Do you think we have... Uh, we're prone to liking the same things because we've been an influence on one another for so long. It could be that. And I also genuinely think that because we've been friends for a long time, I don't think we're likely to see each other as combatants. Yeah. And certainly I, I would not see you as dumb. You wouldn't see me as dumb, but I also, as an extension of that, I don't think you would arrive in an opinion in a dumb way. You know, so it's like, okay, so this person arrived at something that I completely disagree with in a way that is thoughtful. So I guess we should talk about that because who's to say they're wrong just because they came up with a different answer than I came up with. So I feel like a lot – and I think some of that comes with the fact that we do – that we've been friends for a long time and it's just like, you know, it reminds me of – it reminds me of an old Louis C.K. bit where uh he was talking it's it is an old one because he was talking about his wife and all that and and that you know when you've been married a long time like this it's like the smaller arguments really it's like really after 15 years he's are you gonna be like i know about peanut butter you goddamn bitch (laughs) and just like it's like of course you're not gonna say that i mean i guess you could but it's probably because it's about a a genuinely larger thing but like the smaller like when i threw that popcorn across exactly exactly um but you know what you in your defense, I, was being, I would like to hear how you're going to I was being very, okay, first off, okay, yes, that was an extreme reaction, but I was being very dismissive of you. Okay. Uh, in regards to like, the, would you say you were taking self-righteousness to a whole new level? I think so. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't quite remember where I heard that, but once it was in there, I really latched onto it. Um, I used to have such a temper though. But, uh, yeah. And I think that's why, frankly, I think that's why since we're unpacking uh, our, our past, uh, I think maybe that's why I got so mad at the, uh, at the, the friggin' uh, potholder thing uh-huh. is like, I just, I could not react to that level of anger. Yeah. Like it just, even frankly, even now listeners behind the curtain, there are times when the computer, when like our garage band will crap out and David will get very angry. And I have specifically told him, can yeah. you please not yell? It yeah. makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> so it's been all these years, but it's, it's you don't have compared. the temper you used to though. Yeah. Do you, this is, uh, story. you, when we, when, when we moved into the new place with Cole, you warned Cole about my anger and he didn't believe me, didn't believe you until he saw it. And here's what set me off. Yeah. I was trying to make myself some eggs, and I wanted to make fried eggs sunny side up so I could dip toast into them. And when I cracked the egg, I cracked the yolk so I couldn't make it the way I could, and I lost it. Yeah. Throwing eggshells around the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, 
Like, I think he went to you and was like, is he serious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to have a real temper. Yeah. And I then definitely there, worked on that. And you would think that experiences like that would have... Uh, would have stopped Cole from doing some of the things that he did. Like, didn't he, <laughs> didn't he scream at you when you're in the shower? Yeah, once? he would open the, the bathroom doors in the shower and go, bah! <laughs> That's right. Uh, but then it was very therapeutic when you made that movie where I killed him. Yes. With a crowbar. <laughs> yeah. So spoilers, everybody. That's a twist ending. So, okay. So I have a few things to talk about. Uh, some come, some came specifically from you, but others came more just from, us talking together not even it, like it didn't originate with you i don't think it originated with me i think it's just a thing that kind of just materialized for me at least over the course of our uh discussions but i'll get to that a little bit later um a bit so your views on tv and the oh. the the structure of television serialized right. yeah it, you know week to week and what that looks like what that can mean and the fact that that came along right, right when shows like the Sopranos, Sopranos, Dead with like all those HBO shows, and then other shows, uh, other networks that tried to follow suit, and everybody was talking about. I mean, we talked about this next week. Um, <laughs> it's true that uh, uh, that everybody was saying like, "Oh, TV is so good," and they seem to be saying it because they're saying like, "Oh, TV, it's like movies. You know, right. it's finally as good as movies now." <laughs> and it's like, no. They might be on a grant on a bigger scale, and but and that's so people would embrace that idea to such an extent that when you came across an episode of like dramatic television that still was episodic, mm-hmm. the way a Law and Order was, the way a Good Wife was, or something like right, that, right, right. and suddenly people just had no patience for it anymore. And it's like this is still a great TV show, but yeah. because people just got re- so tunnel visioned about what a TV show, what a good TV show looked like now. Uh, they just couldn't, they, they, anything that it used to be seemed somehow out of date or whatever. And so I feel like, you know, and I mean, I guess that was early two thousands, but I feel like, like you really started taking TV seriously as an art form, you knew it was an art form already, but like really started to talk about it in probably 2007, 2008. And you arrived at like this idea of like, no TV is meant to like, it was meant to be seen week to week. So yeah. why, why, you know, like that's not, and that's a different format than you watch a movie. So what can this format do that movies yeah. can't? Yeah. You bring up the Sopranos, but it was really the wire and the way that people talked about the wire that really started to get under my skin, Yeah, which sometimes makes me feel like I don't like the wire, even though I think it's great. I if think you the could, wire is fantastic. I feel like that but, sometimes then I go back and rewatch. I'm like, I, I feel like I need to apologize to somebody. Yeah. yeah but it, it's, I mean, the wire is a, it's a singular achievement, but it's also not the height of what television is capable of. Right. Because it is at times, I think a bit contemptuous of the medium itself. Uh, and that's problematic to me. And that's why I, yeah. So you're right. 2000, excuse me, 2008 is when, yeah, 2008 is when the wire ended. Really Um, that long ago. For some reason I thought it was more recent, but I guess you're right. Yes. Um, uh, and yeah, so it was probably about that time that I was, uh, really, um, uh, yeah, getting up on my high horse yeah. about that. But 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 I think you're right. And, you know, between you and like and Paul Goebel and as much as I enjoy making fun of Paul Goebel and as much as he can play a very specific type of character in life, um, listening like it's one of the reasons I like, hey, watch this as much as I do is that like the two of you bring out ideas in one another that I think really help 
shape the way I look at TV. And even though I, I, I think that I've, I've, I've had good taste in TV. It's more, I I think even I like, you know, once you, frankly, once you see the Sopranos, it is the kind of show that will change the way you look at any number of things. Um, it's that like, it is that good of a show, but it doesn't mean in the same way. Like I think for, Drama, it was The Sopranos, and I think for comedy, it was Arrested Development. Like, people looked at that and said, well, this, come on. Like, you can't do any better than this, ever. And so that's what people required of comedy. Yeah. And do you think, I think I have, and maybe this is just me being a contrarian, um, or as I like to think of it, uh, being punk as fuck. There you go. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think there's something about Arrested Development's um, self-awareness that makes me think of it as something... I can't put it in that spot because I think of it as somehow outside of the conversation because hmm. it's so self-aware. Interesting. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I guess so. Almost as though, yeah, I mean, it It was very meta um, yeah. in, in some way. Self-aware is a better way of putting it, yeah. Um, I still very much see it in, in – I have no problem comparing it to other shows and stuff. But I think, um, you know, I mean, it was a single camera kind of thing. Um, which was still relatively new for a comedy at the time. I mean, that was early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Since then, we've had, you know, any a bunch. All, all of them. You know, yeah. yeah, almost all of them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to think what I would put in that slot. Um, I mean, to me, some of, the, like, some of the big sitcoms of all time are obviously Seinfeld and then Cheers and Roseanne yeah. are up there. But I don't know if any of them... Seinfeld, I mean, yeah, Seinfeld's my favorite sitcom of all time. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's funnier than uh, Arrested Development. We're I, off, I we're off as well. The... Um, anyway, but yeah, so the, I think uh, to, to listen to you talk about TV has been very uh, instructive uh, for me. Uh, another thing that I think you and I have talked, I think you and I have talked about together, and that has helped a lot. Uh, you and I are bo- have both been comedy fans for a long time. That's fine. But I think the idea of... Uh, the role that comedy can play in enhancing drama, specifically in something like The Sopranos, but also the works of like Martin Scorsese and the idea that The Departed can have as many laughs as as it has and still be considered drama. And in fact, the laughs, it wouldn't be as good of a drama without the humor, yeah. which seems completely counterintuitive. But uh, that well, idea – tie back into the – TV thing, both The Sopranos and Deadwood are oh, yeah. among the funniest shows that have ever been on TV. Oh, yeah. And and The Wire is actually pretty funny too. I mean, that can also be incredibly serious, as the other shows can be as well. But like, I feel like, you know, I'm trying to think of of, and of course, you watch more TV than I do. Like, what are some dramatic series that are just so dour that after a while, it's like, all right. Well, we I mean, we all we we both liked Brotherhood, but that's a. That's, that's a, a heavy doubt. show. Yeah. There's not a, but you know what? That's, I actually, a, that's an example of it done right, I guess. I, but I feel like the the tone of that was it came from very much the characters. Like these are, yeah, these are self hating, violent, yeah, Irishmen. No, I <laughs> and I feel like it's different than <laughs> like the Irish mob is different than the Italian mob. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, as far as more recent, I did, I only watched the pilot of the Leftovers. Did you watch any of no. that? That seemed to be threatening to be that there's a yeah. reason i didn't watch the second episode yeah uh anyway we should get back on topic okay uh but no the comedy thing actually it's funny you mentioned comedy and that you would put that on this list because i actually think 
um, you were the one who kept me aware of what was going on in comedy. Um, uh, I mean, I guess that we're getting outside of film here, but in terms of stand-up, mm. uh, I mean, you and I would watch um, a lot of stand-up when we lived together. But then when I moved out here, it was like, uh, and you and I would, uh, I lived out here for about a year and a half before you did. Mm-hmm. And we would gab on the phone. Yeah. You and I. Gabbing like gals. Gabbing like gals. <laughs> uh, trademark Pete Holmes. Um, Friend of the show. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and you would, we would talk about movies, but you would talk about comedy. Yeah. Uh, and I think that sort of kept me uh, in in the loop. And then you told me about, you told me about what podcasts were. Yeah. Uh, and you told me about one called Never Not Funny. Yeah. And that's when I started listening to that. And that's when I found out about the, when I realized that I lived around the corner from the UCB theater. <laughs> from the hub of like yeah. the the dawning of a new age of Los Angeles comedy. Yeah. And so I started going to comedy all the time. So yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would put, I would put that on my list for you. Hmm. Um, Okay, so uh, a couple other things. And yeah, and that's something that I think came about from our... I, I don't necessarily attribute it completely to you, but I associate with I associate it with you because I don't think it's a conversation I had with other people. Um, similar to this, to some people, the word melodrama is a bad word. And for me, for, not, for a long time, it was that as well. But I feel like <clears throat> the embracing of melodrama as a genre, not mm-hmm. merely an adjective i feel i don't remember exactly what it was it might have been the movie the notebook that that kind of convinced me of that but i but i don't remember exactly what it was but i feel like coming from you huh like the idea of you embracing melodrama See, as an okay thing and this is this is what i talked about earlier about it's like once we'd known each other for a while this sort of us just feeling the same way because i remember yeah. it stemming from we already lived together uh for a year or so when far from heaven came out. Yeah. And I feel like that was when we, you and I started talking about that idea. It might've been that, but yeah, I think even that it, cause that was like, that was a throwback, not merely to a different age, but a very specific filmmaker. Right. And I feel like a lot of it got put down to that. But then when you saw the notebook, you actually saw, well, I've never seen the notebook. So sorry, not, I, when people saw when I saw the notebook, it's just like, I hear it's great. I think it's really good. And it is definitely a melodrama. Like there is no question about it. Um, and, and maybe, maybe it was, you know, the way it might've been TV, uh, as far as, as far as you go, uh, right. Yeah. W- embracing the idea of melodrama as a perfectly okay. And sometimes quite effective way to make something, right. uh, embracing that idea of it. But now the world has caught up with, uh, well, Shonda Rhimes has been waving the yeah. flag for that and making yeah. uh, melodrama that is also somehow high art. And yeah, is as populist as it is uh, critically adored. Uh, I'm a big fan of Shonda Rhimes. Meanwhile, Nicholas Sparks, <laughs> maybe not critically adored, but he certainly has embraced the that nature. And when you think about it, you know what? I feel like somebody like Lee Daniels embraces oh, melodrama. Uh, yeah, and I love Lee Daniels too. Um, speaking of TV, now that he's working, uh, now that he has Empire. But um, I didn't know he was actually the man behind Empire. I'm immediately more interested. No, it's him and uh, and Danny Strong. Um, Remind who, me of who that is. Danny Strong is an actor and writer. He wrote The Butler. Okay. And he wrote um, the HBO um, Game Change. You know. Oh the, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Dead. Yeah. But he's also known as an actor. He played Jonathan on Buffy. Hmm. Um, and uh, he was briefly on Mad Men. 
Um, he was the uh, he's he was the he's a really short guy. If that helps. Okay. <laughs> um, he's been in a ton of stuff. Okay. Yeah, the name sounds familiar. Um, oh, by the way, the eighth anniversary is bronze. Bronze. Oh man, that's very exciting. I wish I'd purchased something bronze for you. Yeah. Um, but uh, okay. So the last thing, and again, like, got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, he showed me a picture of Danny Strong, by the way. Yeah. Uh, that just that's not me being insane and just <laughs> yelling out, "Got it!" Like, uh, like I'm autistic or something. Um, but, but yeah, uh, I, I was going to say the Butler is fantastic. Yeah, and I still haven't seen people it. People didn't I, get it. Those people didn't get it. Yeah, and I and I wonder if I might not get it, but I feel like if I'm going to get it, it's because of this idea of embracing uh, melodrama as a perfectly legitimate choice. Um, okay, the last thing is maybe one of the like biggest things that I will fight for in the in the way you and I approach film criticism. Okay, and I think, and I think this definitely comes about from the conversations we've had week in week out from the podcast because I certainly know this was not an idea that I subscribe to in film school, certainly not in high school and maybe not even into, I, I genuinely feel like it has come about in a real way in the last five years. And that's the idea of, and this sounds somehow terrible, not caring about what a director meant to do. Oh yeah. Um, now of course I care about it. I mean, I care yeah, about you're it being a little flip there, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but ultimately this idea that I guess another way of putting it is like, uh, audience, like audience co-ownership of a piece of art. Yeah, do you know which, what I mean when which, I say that? Yeah, which would be a great topic for us to do because there, uh, I, I, I believe that once a piece of art is out there, it is in some way, it in some way belongs to its audience. But I also believe yeah. there's a limit to that and people <laughs> shouldn't oh, sure. expect too much yeah. uh, to have too much influence. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Having that's to me, I feel like it's this, it's this, so this agreed upon social contract where it's like, all right, Filmmaker, you can do literally anything you want. I'm like, I will, I, I don't want any say. I want to, I want your perspective. I don't, I already have mine. I don't want, I don't want mine. I want yours. But, and so because I'm giving you that freedom, you now have to give me the freedom to interpret it however I want. I think that's very well said. Better than I said it. Yeah. Vince Gilligan, <laughs> I'm looking at you. <laughs> if I take it as a dream, it's a dream. You know what I mean? It's oh, like, right. Or Ridley Scott uh, saying that uh, Deckard is a replicant. Yeah. And it's, like, it's like, well, I'll tell you. How about, I, yeah. how about I tell you what I think? Yeah. And maybe to the next guy, Deckard's a replicant. Maybe I don't think he is. Yeah. And I'm I'll still, say this. I'm still on the fence, actually, about how I feel about yeah. Deckard. Yeah. And frankly, like, I feel like it's, I feel like knowing that one way or another is not imperative to me on uh, appreciating the film. Right. And so, but by him saying that, it's like, well, now... Like, if you wanted me to know it to such an extent that you're just going to fucking say it, then you should have had somebody say it in the movie. Yeah, it should have been in the movie. Like, yeah. if, if you're willing to do that, then so be it. But it's just, uh, it, like, you can tell, like, I get angry about it when it's like, somebody like Ridley Scott, and I, I recognize that Blade Runner, you know, I mean, it was, there's a lot of studio involvement, so I will, I will cut him some slack there. But... You know, with somebody like Vince Gilligan, who clearly was allowed to do anything he wanted, then if people are taking it a way you didn't intend, then I guess you didn't do it exactly right. You did not get across exactly what you wanted to. That's unfortunate, but that's but that's okay. That's not even necessarily a flaw. It's only a flaw if the filmmaker is so adamant about people taking what he wanted 
the way he wants it, then, you know, but I feel like it's, 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 it's to me, that's, I was talking earlier about the idea of being free. I can't think of a more freeing idea than this idea of you take it how you want to take it. I take it how I want to take it. We can argue with it. We can argue about it. I mean, go back to our episode about Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. We took that film completely different ways. Yeah. And we even and we even argued about it. You know, this isn't about saying this isn't about saying like, hey, agree to disagree, live and let live. We have no reason to talk to each other. You know. <laughs> um but it is it, to me it's when when we locked into that idea, I I loved it. And it's not to say don't try to figure out what the director's saying. That's fine, but only use the film for it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because cuz then if like like we said, like if you if you're like, "Okay, I think the director was trying to say this, but I better check with him." Well, the director might not always be around. The film will be, and thus I feel like that's what we have to go on. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Um and it, it's it's the reason why you and I to a point defend armand white yeah you know because when he says that jack and jill is a story about the modern jewish american experience yeah. it's like i think yeah he's probably playing it up to, and because he clearly is a bit of a prick and he's trying to be a bit of a prick yeah but if you watch the film with that in mind it's there i don't think adam sandler intended it but adam sandler as a jewish american yeah um and as from what i understand a practicing jewish uh american um He's practicing at both things. Uh, he's getting better every day. Um, uh, you keep swinging, buddy. Yeah, um, those things, those things are there in Jack and Jill. It doesn't make the movie not awful, right? But uh, it, it, it's it, it's it's more fun, I think, to think of movies that way than to just write off Jack and Jill completely. I maybe the reason that I like the idea of this. I do a whole other podcast about seeing movies through a very specific filter right, that I yeah, have yeah, and not, and not necessarily bending over backwards. Cause it's not like somebody assigns me a movie and I have to comb through looking for a Christian message. I decide what movies we pick based on what I see in there that I, as a Christian might find interesting, you know? And of course you might find a completely different thing interesting and who's to say either one of us is wrong, you know? And so, and, and the director could say, Oh, that Christian, you know, we, by the time this goes up, we just did an episode about Foxcatcher. Bennett Miller could say, oh, you're completely wrong about that. It's like, oh, okay, because I, I, that's fine. I don't care if you <laughs> think I'm wrong. You're welcome to right. think I'm wrong. And Yeah, uh, I saw this in it, and there's nothing you can do about exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't mean to. I uh-huh. just did. So. Um, I guess, yeah, we can wrap up. I, we didn't really talk about the acting thing, uh, which oh, I don't yeah. really know okay. how to say. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I really don't know how to how, how to how to put it. I just pay more attention now. You know, I've mm-hmm. talked about one thing that I've, I know I've talked about before is um, well, we were just talking recently about the role of the doctor giving bad news. Yeah, you know, and I talked about Danny DeVito in the Virgin Suicides right. and the little like he he has this very calm presence. He's done this before, but he has this little nervous thing where he's rubbing his uh, yeah. he's sort of cupping both his palms and rubbing his fingers uh together um and that that's the kind of thing i noticed now that i wouldn't have noticed no. uh before but i think uh it also has to do with going back to bringing this full circle when you were talking about how seeing how the character feels or seeing how the actor feels about the character yeah um i'm more aware of that 
as well. Um, and but does that bother you that you're more aware of these things? No, I I, I like that. I'm. Th- I think it's it's another. It's an it's a way of appreciating movies that I didn't for a, uh, as a as a younger man. I, uh, yeah, I guess that's true. I think for me, the thing about acting, like if you notice a specific thing that the actor is doing, it's tough for me because I can appreciate like the the hand thing that Dan DeVito is talking about uh, is doing. Um, I feel like I can appreciate that as either being a choice, a deliberate choice he's making or just a byproduct of him living in this character so much that the character would have this nervous way of dealing with breaking bad news to people. Either way, I sometimes wonder, it's like, well, now I'm noticing that and I'm not noticing it as a character tick more like I'm noticing it as something the actor is doing. And now I'm thinking about that and not the scene. Like I, that's the thing that gets me so much about what, about what we do. <laughs> Cause I never want to be somebody the character. Like the extreme example of this would be Jake Gyllenhaal on prisoners. Um, did you see prisoners? I did not. So he has a literal tick. Like he, he's okay. blinking constantly. That's why, um, I wish I could remember who said this on Twitter, but like they said, the reason that Lou Bloom and Nightcrawler doesn't blink is because Jake Gyllenhaal used all his blinks up <laughs> in, in prisoners. <laughs> um, uh, but you know, have you, did you know? Did you know that that Lou Bloom never blinks in the movie? Uh, it's like a choice that Jake Gyllenhaal made that he never blinks while the camera is like. And, and, and I don't think I. I don't think I consciously noticed it, but I do. Like thinking back on it, I do think of the character as just constantly staring intently yeah, at yeah. things. Um. Anyway. Uh. But it, it's it's a risky choice that Jake Gyllenhaal made to to be that. I mean, when, you, when we talk about actors having ticks, that's usually a bad thing. Yeah. And here he is playing a character who has literal ticks. Uh, but um, this the what he he committed to the character in such a way that uh, he didn't he doesn't use the ticks as here's who this character is. He's right. the guy who has the tick. He, that's just a symptom of a full character that he's created. Yeah. And, and so because it belongs to uh, everything else about the character, it doesn't take me out of the movie in the way that you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's always something that I, that I worry about. It's always is, something. It's, uh, you, I'm 33. Are you shitting me? Um, but yeah, it's, uh, well, gl- well, good. I'm glad that, uh, that I could have, do you think it's because I, I talk about acting or yeah. because I used to act? Well, I think you talk about it because you used to Fair act. Fair enough. <laughs> so. And, I mean, you you say you used to act. When was the last time? Was it reservations? The last last time you acted, acted um, in something? Yes, I think so. Which was uh, Jason Eakins' uh, previous short film. Yes, uh, which is great, by the way. Yes. Um, all right. I think I think we're done. Yeah, this eight was, years. This is fun. It was a little uncomfortable for me. Was it to hear people to hear someone say nice things about me? Is Boy, a bit, a bit I hear you. When you <laughs> said when you said you had uh, that I had more things than you, I'm like, oh, thank God. Cause it's just like, um, cause I didn't want to be the one coming up short and being like, Oh, I'm sorry. I was too wrapped up in myself. Right, so Although, it's me instead. but that's the thing. Like you saying it doesn't bother me at all. If I said it, that's the problem. Uh, now, and now we're getting into Paul Gilmartin territory. Um, as far as his podcast, not him. Um, but yeah, so, uh, eight years listeners, it's been amazing. Uh, some yeah. of you, you know, you, you send us stuff yeah, or, or you don't, um, <laughs> I'm joking. It's a joke I can make. Um, you know, you send us letters and, and emails of encouragement and that sort of thing. And it's uh, and I've gotten to meet a, a lot of you in other countries even. And it's super awesome that people that we don't know and in some cases we'll never meet 
listen to the show on a right. Like, especially think about this episode. There are people ar- across the world that we'll never meet that know a lot about our roommate situation. <laughs> like, that's, that's a little strange. Yeah. So, I guess but so. it's kind of neat. That's what I like about podcasting. All right. Uh, you can find us at battleshippretension.com. You can leave comments on this episode um, if you, however you felt about it. Uh, we'd love to know. Have we... I'm inclined to say, listeners, what have you learned listening to the show? But that's, <laughs> that's a little... Where, that's where I was going. Is that where you were going? Yeah. Uh, so you can leave comments uh, about that uh, as well as listen to all our past episodes and all the episodes of other, other podcasts and all the movie reviews and other, uh, other things that we uh, write. Um, Lots of reviews this week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't even keep track of all of them. Yeah. Uh, I wrote three, but then there's also It Follows, Chappie. Chappie. Um, what else? These Final Hours. God, I can't. I'm, I'm losing track of, uh, yeah. of all the ones that other people wrote. Um, so that's at BattleshipRetention.com. Uh, you can email us at David at BattleshipRetention.com or Tyler at BattleshipRetention.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at ThePretension. You can follow Tyler at TylerPretension. And Tyler, you, uh, as you mentioned, you have another podcast. It's called mm-hmm. More Than One Lesson. Everyone should be voting multiple times every day from now until when? Com. Until when? Uh, I don't remember the exact day, but I think you've got a solid three weeks to do it. Let's do it. So you can Let's vote 21 times per, uh, per email address. There you so, go. Let's do it. Let's keep that in mind. Uh, everyone, do it. it. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, what, anything else going on? You said Fox, Foxcatcher? Yeah, the most recent week? episode is about Foxcatcher. All right. My other and pod- if you want to hear a lot about Birdman, we did a full episode not knowing it was going to win Best Picture, and then we had to do a Best Picture episode about it. And so uh, between the two, don't you worry. We've got you covered on Birdman. Covered Birdman. All right. Uh, My other podcast is about TV. It's called Hey, Watch This. This week, uh, Paul and I will be talking about The Last Man on Earth and Broadchurch uh, Season 2 premiere. Um, That's it, right? I think so. Thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.